Good morning, everybody. Thank you for being here. I'm excited, so excited for part two of this series because, you know, how often is it that we get to pray for God's kingdom to come? You know, when was the last time that you prayed for it? And you might think, well, you know what? I just prayed for it. And that's a good thing because, you know, God's kingdom, we want it to come to this earth. You know, we want God's kingdom to come here because life is hard sometimes and we want his presence here in this place. But I do ask one thing of you today. I ask that if there's anything that I say that you think, you know what, that's a good point. Don't just say, good point, and then move on from there. If you hear something that sounds like a good point, I want you to try and find out how to put it into practice in our life. Because we're called to be doers of the word, not just hearers. And if we hear something and then don't put it into practice, it's like there's no point in even hearing it at all. So God, we pray to you today, and we pray for you to speak a fresh word to each one of us. We pray for you to speak to us now. We turn from our sins and we turn to you, knowing that you have the answers for us and knowing that you are the God who loves us and fights for us. So we pray this all in your name, amen. So last week we started out by speaking of God's people who were slaves in Egypt for 430 years. And when God's people finally escaped captivity, they were fleeing from Egypt when suddenly something happened. They faced adversity. And the text tells us we're going to look at we're going to look at the book of Deuteronomy of Exodus chapter 13. So it's real easy to find in your Bible. If you open it up, you'll see Genesis, and then open it up again, you'll see the book of Exodus. So when we look at Exodus chapter 13, we see this, what God's people were doing. It tells us the Lord went ahead of them, and he guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the text tells us, and the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. And when looking at this, we see that God's people escaped slavery, and we see them being led by the Lord every single step of the way. And my question for us right now is, when was the last time we lived fully relying on God? You know, I'm not talking about just one decision in our life, because it can be easy if we have a big decision coming up to ask for God's guidance and to see what he wants to do through us. But when was the last time that we lived out a full day relying on God and letting him show us what he wants us to do? You know, so often we wake up with a plan in mind or we wake up and our spouse has a plan in mind for us already. But when was the last time we actually lived relying on God throughout the entire thing? Because when I look at Christianity around this world today, I see that in many places, it's a bit out of whack. It's a bit off from what the Bible originally taught us. Because think about it, when this pandemic is over, we're going to be considered a Christian if we go to church a couple times a year. You know, someone who goes to church a couple times a year identifies as a Christian. And when this is over, 
If we go to church maybe three out of four Sundays, we'll be considered a good Christian. But think about it in some other area of life. Like what if you play basketball four Sundays out of the year? You wouldn't really be considered a basketball player. Even if you played it three out of four Sundays, it would just be something that you do for a hobby, not something that you take seriously. But in this day and age, more than ever, we need to take serious what Jesus Christ taught us. Because as Christians, adversity is going to come to us. We're going to reach times in this life that if we're not truly seeking after God, we're going to be swept away. Now, when we look back to the text, we'll see that when God's people were suddenly freed, they faced adversity right away. Exodus chapter 14 says, as Pharaoh approached, so after they fled from Egypt, Pharaoh and his men came after them. The people of Israel turned around and they panicked when they saw the Egyptians starting to overtake them. And they cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why do you bring us here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? Why have you done this to us? So these people who saw God's power on display were suddenly overtaken with fear and they saw this adversity coming and they said, I wish we would have just died back in Egypt. Then Moses, wise Moses, tells the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Moses is telling the people, don't panic. Don't you see the Lord up there guiding you? He's guiding every step that you take. You don't need to be afraid during this time. You know, I know a number of us during this pandemic have become afraid, which that's something legitimate. So in some ways, that's okay. But I want to look at something else that has troubled us lately. You see, so many people around the world have been caught off guard and panicking about their retirement accounts. You know, they see these numbers drip and they think, what am I going to do now? I worked so hard throughout my life building this up and now I see these numbers just plummeting. And the thing is, even as Christians doing this, we're worrying about something that isn't necessary right now. We're worrying about something that the funds aren't even available to us. We're worrying about these treasures that we've been storing up on this earth when the Bible specifically tells us Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and where rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal and where their value can disappear overnight. Don't store up yourself treasures here on this earth of those kinds. And if you have already, don't worry about those because it goes on to say, store your treasures in heaven because wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. You see, God doesn't want our hearts going after those retirement accounts. He wants our hearts going after his people. He wants every available resource that he entrusts us with to go to bringing his kingdom to this earth. Because if we're going to store up for ourselves treasures on this earth, they're just going to disappear. Some of us may even die before we get to utilize them. But if we store up for ourselves treasures in heaven, we are going to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Now, when we look to the text, we can understand so clearly that 
heaven for a Christian is our retirement. You know, we get to retire when we get to heaven. We don't see any scripture saying that once you hit 62 years old, kick up your feet and wait to die. We see scripture telling us to work hard while we're on this earth. And the wonderful thing about heaven is it's not something that we need to work tirelessly for, but it's something that we inherit. It comes free to us because of the blood of Jesus Christ so that when our time on this earth is finished, then we get to inherit the kingdom of God. We get to be with Jesus Christ forever in the kingdom of heaven. Now, I heard a story the other day at work. It was a woman who I work with, and she was talking about she can tell when people die if they're going to heaven or, in her words, if they're going to the other place. Now, working in hospice, we see a lot of death. But this woman thought that she knew just by looking at the body once they died. But what I'm here to say is that our bodies shouldn't look peaceful and beautiful when we die because we're on this earth to work hard. We're on this earth to give it everything we have until our final breath is breathed because then no matter what we look like, we're going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Think about Paul for a minute with me. He was shipwrecked. He spent nights at sea. He was whipped the 40 lashes many times. He spent time chained and in jail and giving everything he had for the gospel. I don't think he looked beautiful laying there at the time of his death. I think he looked ragged and torn. But in that moment, he would get to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. You know, we're not on this earth to just look beautiful. We're on this earth to work hard, to roll up our sleeves, and to get everything done that we can for the gospel of our Lord. Because we never ever want to be in a position where we hear this from our God. Matthew 25 tells us, then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. And we think, God, why would you say this to us? What would deserve this kind of eternal punishment? And the text tells us, for I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. And when we look at our lives, how many of us can honestly say that we're actually actively feeding the hungry? that we're giving drink to the thirsty, that we're providing places for people to stay in our homes, that we're giving people rides who are walking along the road. How many of us can honestly say we're visiting people in prisons and in long-term care facilities and that we're actually doing what Jesus tells us to do in this world? Because we don't have to do this for Jesus Christ. The text tells us that whatever we do for the least of these in our society, we're doing for him. We're called, even if we get done with a long day at work, we're not called just to sit around and rest, but we're called to go and do more and more because each thing we do is going to be blessed by God and bring his kingdom here to this earth. But then we think, but God, what if I'm so generous? What if I'm overly generous that I end up becoming poor on this earth? What if 
I just run out of resources and I'm the one who becomes dependent. You know, in Jesus Christ's very first sermon, the very first point he ever mentioned, he said God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. See, I think that if we can go through an entire day without recognizing our need for God, then we're doing it wrong. You know, if we can just go to the grocery store and get anything we want without having to worry about money, then we don't recognize our need for God. If we have so much money that we can get through entire day periods without saying, God, I need you to help me with this, then maybe that means we need to give more away. Maybe that means we need to give so much away that we can get to a position where we recognize, God, I need to see you keep providing. God, I want to be generous, but I need to see you keep working in my life. And Jesus Christ reiterates this later on in his life. He told his disciples, I tell you the truth. It's very hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ makes it very clear. He wants us dependent on him. And so often the money that we have stored up gets in the way of that. Now, I'm not saying be foolish with your money because it's a resource that God entrusts us with to be able to bless this world. But we need to keep doing this instead of just selfishly holding on to as much as we can. Because you see, in this world, we just cannot love wealth. It's not something that we can love. It's the root of all evil. It can disappear so quickly. It can lose its value. It can be lost. It can be stolen. What we need to do is love people. Because when we love people in this world, God will do miraculous things for us. So when we head back to our text, we see God's people in trouble. Because we know that the Egyptian army was chasing down God's people. And the text tells us, Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up up a path through the water with a strong east wind, and the wind blew all that night, turning the seedbed into dry land. And then the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. You know, this was something that shouldn't have happened. God's people should have been captured by all rational purposes. They were getting chased by the Egyptian army. The sea was in front of them. But for God's glory, he allowed Moses to part the sea so his people could go right through. You know, God wants to do miraculous things for us as a people. And in some ways, let me show you that this is why the church exists. Because we're called to do these things in community. And if we do them on our lo- alone, we're going to fail. I want to look at something that happened in Jesus' ministry when his disciple tried to do something alone. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 14. Peter calls out to Jesus, who's walking on water, not knowing if it's really Jesus or not. So Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, then tell me to come walking on the water. And Jesus calmly says, yes, come. And then Peter went over to the side of the boat and he walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. And I really believe that 
if all 12 disciples would have been out on the water, none of them would have sank. It was because Peter was out there alone. And in the same way, if it would have only been one of God's people trying to go through the Red Sea instead of thousands of them, I believe that person would have gotten terrified in that moment and turned around and said, I surrender, just take me as your slave. But because they were together as a church, as God's body, they were able to encourage each other and keep on going. You see, when I was young, after I felt the calling into ministry and began learning some things, I've always had a dream of starting a church in an area that desperately needs it. And this scripture has always stuck out to me. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And I think the reason that, that has always stood out for me is because I recognize the church is meant to serve a community and be a light for everybody to go to. You know, a church shouldn't be hidden. It should be on display for all to see so that people can come to that place and feel safe and get nourished and then be sent out to go and do more and more good to the community. And I challenge us today with the Family Care Fund option, be extremely generous because we can do more than just reach the postal workers. We can reach the hotels. We can reach the restaurants. We can reach the communities. We can reach everybody in New Stanton this way, but we need to be generous instead of storing things up for ourselves. And then sometimes we think, but what happens if the church ends up being too generous? What if we give away so much that we can't even meet in a certain place anymore? What if the church loses its meeting place for being too generous? First, I don't think God allows that to happen. But if he does, it's because he wants the church to meet somewhere else. Maybe the church's time at that specific location is done and he wants them moving somewhere else because the church isn't a building. The church is wherever two or three of God's people gather. So as God's people, we need to be as generous as possible to be a light for the community so that all people can know that Jesus Christ loves them and that he fights for them. Because we know the church is the bride of Jesus Christ and he is going to fight for his bride. So to look at this last slide, we see how this ends. We see the Egyptian army is coming after God's people. They're coming after the church. But look what God does. It says, then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots, they chased them into the middle of the sea. And just before dawn, the Lord looked down on this Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their faces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, and he made it difficult for them to drive through there. And then the people against God's church said, let's get out of here, away from these Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them. The Lord is fighting for us right now. We are his church. God wants to use us to reach this whole community for him. God wants to use his church to bring his kingdom into this world. But that is only going to happen if we are fully reliant on him, if we're generous, and if we stick together as a people going out into this land. 
So God, we pray to you now. I know that some of us right now might not be feeling like we're worthy. We might not be feeling like we're good enough and we might see the sin in our life and we might not even think that we are a child of God. But on this date, on April 26th, I think this is going to be special for some of us. I ask that you join me in praying to God and saying, Lord, I turn from my sin now. I turn from planning out my days. I turn from doing my desire throughout this life on earth. And I turn instead to you. I recognize that Jesus Christ is the only way that I can be forgiven for my sins. The only way I can inherit eternal life. And Lord, I submit to you as my Savior and my King and my Lord. And when people turn to God, heaven starts to rumble. Heaven starts to cheer. And this kingdom on earth begins establishing. So if you're turning to God right now, know that his Holy Spirit and his power is coming into you right now to do things that you never thought were possible before. Know that as we turn to you, God, you're going to give us a plan for our life. You're not going to let any blunders with technology. You're not going to let anything stand in our way because your message needs to be heard on this world. And Lord, we now, on this day, recognize that we are a child of God and we're going to sing out our freedom. And anything that we heard from you during this message, we're going to put it in place, no matter what our family thinks, what our friends think, or what those around us think, because we love you, and we love this world, and we want to see your kingdom come to this earth. So I invite you as a child of God to sing with us now. Amen.